I think, and I'm the only one who has seen Venom. Yeah, is that streaming somewhere now? You have to pay for it, but it's it's ah. it's uh, twenty dollars, but it's not a rental. It's buy it, which is the preference. Like I'm not paying twenty dollars for you know to rent it for forty eight hours. I'm I paid twenty dollars right. and now I own it. Was it was it worth seeing, Paul? It depends on your opinion of the first one. It is basically as good as the first, as good or as bad as the first one, depending on your opinion <laughs> of the first one. Yeah, the first one was surprisingly adequate. Yeah, same, same with the second. I would say the first one, I was like, this is better than I thought it was going to be, and the second one is like, this is as good as the first one. <laughs> Paul's review says as adequate as the original. <laughs> exactly. Iomgeek.com. Put that on the post. <laughs> Right, a so. perfectly adequate sequel <laughs> to a perfectly the adequacy adequate is off the charts <laughs> let there be adequacy <laughs> <laughs> I like it either you read Hawkeye oh, no. I did not I did I not like buy Hawkeye art. this week okay how was it eh. do, you, do you want to talk about it no nothing really to say about it it was it was adequate <laughs> <laughs> alright well then I think we've got a show if you enjoy adequacy, you'll enjoy Hawkeye number one. <laughs> and Venom 2. <laughs> Marvel, the house of adequacy. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, let's see here. Um, oops, that's not what we want. Um, go. I am recording. All right. Are you recording, Paul? Yes, sir. All right. Check one, check two, check, check. Syphilis, syphilis. <laughs> <laughs> This is Paul. This is Wayne. Well, well happy post-Thanksgiving, guys. Do you have tons of leftovers, Aaron? You know, uh, we do. We do. Uh, I, and we have uh, we have had uh, leftover dinner last night, and uh, I'm sure we'll have leftover lunch today. Huh. I was going to ask, what, at what point, because I am admittedly not a leftover guy, which is why, you know... They, they say meal prep, meal prep, meal prep. And I'm like, okay, well, that's great. Except by about the second time eating the same thing, I'm sick of it. Um, unless it's pizza. But, so, you know, when it comes to leftovers of Thanksgiving dinner, how, how at what point do you tire of it? It depends on what it is. So, like, you know, the fundamentals of uh, Thanksgiving dinner for me are two things. Uh, turkey and dressing. Mm -hmm. And uh, for me, it's cornbread dressing, and it is a, a recipe I have made for over 20 years. And I love it. I only make it once a year. And for me, I will eat it till it's gone. I'm going to pause you there for a second. When you say cornbread okay. dressing, is it an actual dressing? Or are you referring to like a stuffing? It's like a stuffing. Okay. Okay. I was like, wow. 
what is cornbread dressing? Like a yeah. like a drizzle amongst your no no no. <laughs> it, it, it dresses the plate. Got oh okay okay. You, you yeah. Texans have different terms, so that's why I just wanted we, to we do. clarify. We, we have different talky words. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, corn corn. I don't call it stuffing because I don't put it in the bird. Uh, I make it in a separate pan, and you know. Yeah, I don't like it when it's in the bird because then it's like soggy. Mushy, yeah. Yeah, I just don't like like mushy is is not good for me. Correct. Uh, yeah, usually all of the leftover like sides they go pretty quickly, and this year I didn't even have leftover mashed potatoes or stuffing. It just they went with the with the meal, so I only have leftover turkey, and I try to do use it different ways over the next couple days. But generally, after about the third day, I'm done with it. There is no part of the turkey that goes to waste at my house. If I make a, a full bird, uh, the carcass gets turned into chicken broth or a turkey broth. Uh, I will pull all the meat and we'll have that for sandwiches. I'll put it in soup. I mean, there is just no part of the turkey that goes to waste here. Yeah, I'll yeah, make I this sandwiches. Year. Like I did a sandwich last night for dinner and I, I probably won't do one today. I'll take a break, but I will probably make a turkey sandwich, turkey Swiss and bacon. Mm-hmm. Uh, sandwich because that's like my favorite kind of sandwich. Um, it's a good sandwich. It's a good sandwich. And it's I'll a lot. Do that no, what kind of bread? What kind of bread, Paul? Um, you know, so what I like to do is I like to get like um, it depends, but like right now we have like a and like a, a loaf like a like a French loaf. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's good stuff. But yeah. then I, I griddle it, so I you know I butter the top oh, yeah. and the bottom, and I griddle it and like uh-huh. squish it down like a panini. So, oh yeah, so good. Damn. See, Damn, I that... did, I did this time a. Uh, Keto Hawaiian bread. What? Keto. Keto. Yeah. Get out of here with your keto. Oh, you know I'm not a keto person, but I am a diabetic, so <laughs> keto, keto things work really well for diabetics, typically. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair, 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 fair. So, did you guys get to, uh, you know, with, with your long weekend, we're recording this on Saturday, of, I, I think most of, I think everyone on this podcast had Thursday and Friday off. Uh, and if I'm wrong, sorry, Wayne. Um, <laughs> oh, no, I took the entire week off. <laughs> okay, even better. Have you, have you taken any opportunity to get caught up on your streaming shows? Any streaming media that that you know that that's uh, that you've been able to enjoy during this week? I watched uh, both Hawkeyes that were dropped this week. I watched those Wednesday night, okay. and uh, spoilers, loved it. Yeah, let's talk about Hawkeye, because I, I yeah. saw it too. That dropped, like you said, Wednesday night, or Wednesday. I mean, it, the night isn't yeah. a thing anymore with, with streaming services. Oh, no, it's a night. It, 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 a night is a thing, Paul. It gets dark. God, what is wrong? <laughs> it gets dark at like 4 p.m. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, on streaming services, it just kind of drops. It's there when you wake up. Um, yeah, so Hawkeye, both both the first and second episodes of, I believe, a six-episode series. I could yeah, be I think wrong about that. Yeah. Um, so, what do you guys think? Jeremy Renner, Haley Steinfeld? Uh, I absolutely loved it. I'm a huge Kate Bishop fan, and I think that uh, the casting was incredible, and she just nails the role. I, yeah, I, I thought I thought Haley Joel Steinfeld was good in this in this uh, in this Haley Joel Steinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> She's real. Yeah, she is fantastic. I, I actually I will say I, I enjoyed the show uh, quite a bit. I have two issues with the show. I'm going to go straight into the issues because you know that's how I am. Here we go. Mm. One, 
I really don't like the guy who plays Jack Duquesne. Um, Tony oh, Dalton. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, now that being said, I should, I'm not familiar with him. I know he's in Better Call Saul and a bunch of other stuff. I find his acting I very like hokey. Him for this. I think I he's like super hokey. He's, I, well, and I think he's supposed to be. I think that he is, he's got that smarmy, almost like Chris Sarandon uh, sort of tone to him. Yeah. You know, like, I just I I think he's perfect, and you know clearly he's a bad guy. Uh, I, I just I, I thought he was great. I was I thought it was inspired casting. Yeah, see, I, I, his acting bothers me, but you know I'm sure it'll turn around because he's clearly um, going to be a villain. Is he swordsman? He's swordsman. I mean, I, yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, in the comics he is. So I would imagine they wouldn't use that name if they weren't planning on uh, doing something with him. I, I I really enjoyed him. I, I I had a lot of fun with him. I, uh, I I and I don't have a problem with any of the casting, and I particularly enjoyed all the tracksuit tracksuit mafia guys. But Paul, you had another issue. What was it? Well, I would I would say the it's less of an issue and more of a preference, which is I kind of wish, given that you know we are big fans of the Matt Fraction David Aha. Um, ah! ah arc on hawkeye <laughs> that heavily inspires this tracksuit mafia you know a lot of this is inspired i mean there are very there are big differences of course to, to right. set it within the context of the mcu and set it during christmas and all that but um you know pizza dog and all that stuff like a lot of it's taken from that arc i wish it had more of that flair you know i think what it, 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 and it, it's a it's a weird thing the, I, I guess my what I would sum it up is I find the direction adequate for the story. Um, <laughs> but I, I wish that the direction had more style and flair to it because one of the things about that Hawkeye arc from Fraction and Aha was it was just so damn cool. It was just so cool. And you saw things in comics that you had never seen before and, you know, stylistic choices. And I kind of wish some of that translated to the screen. This is filmed like any other MCU TV show or movie, which isn't a bad thing. I'm not I'm not saying it's bad, but I'm just saying, you know, when you mentioned like the tracksuit mafia was just such an ever present thing in the comics that, you know, we, we still joke about it, you know, years later. And I didn't get the same impact of them in the show. Right. Like, I, I kind of wish they just had a little bit more more stylistic interpretation to the direction um, that kind of you know, took took inspiration from the comic. But that's more yeah. of a preference thing. Again, it's not bad. It just would be a whole lot cooler if it had, like, some stronger direction. So for me at this point, I, I'm going back and forth about what is my favorite Marvel TV show between this and WandaVision. I liked it that much. Oh, really? Two episodes in? Okay. Yeah, I liked I, it a lot. I liked it a lot. I... I, I you know, I was uh, really taken in the trailers with the the setting during Christmas, mm-hmm. um, and I got to tell you, they they nailed Christmas feel. Uh, you know, the, a Christmas movie, you know, sort of uh, tone. They nailed it, and I love that. I mean, beyond the MCU is a place, right? I mean, there is. When we are when we experience a Marvel Cinematic Universe film 
or television show, it has a specific look and feel. So what you're what you're saying, Paul, is that you wanted more of the you know David ah ah ah. Uh, I wanted less <laughs> of the Marvel house feel yeah. and a little bit more of like like the John exactly. Wick type, yeah. you know, or, or just you know just a, a Tarantino esque, like something with a bit more style to it. I think that the the MCU media is married to that house style that they have. Yeah. And I think it'll take a lot for them to move from that. Um, I, and I think they haven't fully, you know, explored all the corners of their existing style. And so I think it's going to be a very long time yeah. before we see them move from that. Um, what I particularly enjoyed is the MCU is a place and they, they, they're not just telling you the superhero story. They're telling you that the, the impact of what's gone before. And, you know, we love s- when we see the impact like that. Uh, yeah. Of the snap, right. The, you know, we're, we're seeing, you know, how the world has responded to that, even when it's just a throwaway line, you know, uh, we, we saw that in Shang-Chi, we saw that in, in, in Hawkeye. I, I think that it's terrific, and I I absolutely love number one the concept of you know what would be on Broadway. Well, of course, a Captain America show would be on Broadway. Rogers the musical. I want tickets for it right the fuck now. <laughs> I, I I really do. And the the musical number that they had on stage was hilarious, and oh, the and their guy, costumes on stage all like hoodies. Yeah, well, and the the very convincing Paul Rudd dancing uh, interpretation as Ant-Man. But beyond that, beyond the joke of that is how Clint Barton responds to that. He's got survivor's guilt in this thing, and he misses his, you know, his friend Natasha. Um, he he can't bear to sit in the uh, in the theater and watch the show. Uh, he he can't derive joy from this, even though everybody else is expressing their gratitude. He's he's got that burden, and so going back to the tone of a Christmas show, this is I I really feel like the the arc we're on for Clint Barton beyond being a hero and having to clean up a mess he made uh, back when he was Ronan is him finding the heart of Christmas. And I just, I, I love it. There are so many stories colliding. You know, MC, the MCU as a place seems to be rather uh, less complex visually than other films might be, and certainly less complex visually than what Paul was hoping for to bring over those, you know, David, aha, uh, <laughs> elements from the comic. But it's deceptively non-complex because of all the emotional issues and storytelling going on. I absolutely love this thing. Yeah, I, we're two I episodes like, in and I love it. I really loved how they tied in why Kate Bishop idolizes Hawkeye of all uh-huh. of them. Yeah, it was a great origin. Yeah, that was story a great for Kate Bishop. Yeah, that opening sequence yeah. was fantastic for sure. Yeah, and uh best casting ever with Pizza Dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which I, is I, which is not a name, it's a title. <laughs> Like the Earl of Sandwich. Yeah. yeah. I, I loved it. I, I thought it was a great show. I, and again, they, they keep doing wonderful stuff with uh, the the bumpers, the, the, the graphics for the title sequences. Oh, yeah. And the up. second sequence, you know, the second episode, mm-hmm. we, we finally get Because yeah. the first episode is the first episode. The second right. episode is where you see the actual title sequence. And I thought that was really... Yeah. It, it, that had that David Aha 
<laughs> style yeah. uh, interpretation. It was it was great, and the music was great, and we got our first look at uh, Echo, who they've already announced will be getting her own TV show, her own series. Yeah. So you know, yeah. I don't and you know, know from you... an action standpoint, we saw the scene already in the trailers, but can I just say that uh, scene where they throw the Molotov cocktail and uh, Hawkeye catches it and tosses it back out the window? Mm-hmm. That just kicks ass. Yeah, yeah. that was pr- that was like, pretty it's awesome. A great show. I just can't see that scene enough. Well, Marvel has a lot of stuff on TV right now. Uh, You know, Hulu is showing, um, I think, a few weeks ago, maybe as long as a month ago at this point. We just haven't really talked about it. Um, Started up Hitmonkey. You know, we were all about Hitmonkey. Not not the show, but the comic. When it first started, I think it was a Daniel Way, Mm -hmm. maybe, creation? Yeah, it was Daniel Way. Um, Years ago. And I just remember we were psyched for Hitmonkey. And now there's a TV show, and you guys got a chance to watch it. Yeah, yeah I definitely watched the first... see why it's on uh, Hulu and not Disney+. Plus. You know, I, uh, I I watched the first two episodes, and much like Hawkeye, no complaints. I think Jason Sudeikis, as the, the voice of the ghost hitman, is fantastic. Uh, I It's got a terrific sense of humor. I, I love, love the animation. Yeah, in, in they've... They've said all along that uh, their more adult things will be on Hulu and not on Disney Plus, and that's definitely why this one is there because uh, they yeah. don't pull punches. Yeah, I didn't screw around. It, it screw is around. it is violent and gory, and there's cussing, and very much hits you right uh, right away with the the level of violence of the show. Yeah. But it is so much fun. And it's got it is so well written. I, I think it's directed beautifully. Uh, and like I said, Jason Sudeikis just steals the show. I mean, he is just so good. George Takei voices a character in the show, also fantastic. I'm just I'm very much enjoying it. I ha- yep. I, I, I haven't graduated beyond the second episode yet, but uh, I will probably today. Yeah, I've only watched the first one, but it, it is not a show that I see myself binging. Yeah, as much I, as I enjoy it, it just it is too much to binge. Well, and it's 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 like the I mean, it's not like the violence is so graphic that you're like, oh, I can't take much more of that. It just seems like there's a lot to digest in each episode. So, yeah, I I don't have a desire to binge it like like I would another show. Uh, But boy, I sure I sure sure did enjoy it. I I think that uh, I was initially skeptical of picking up Hulu to uh, grab the, the other chunk of the Disney universe, you know, the, the, you know, not for children shows. Uh, but I, by Hulu, uh, hit monkey is certainly worth it. I have not watched Modoc yet. I forgot uh, that was a thing. Yeah. It's it, on my watch list. I've heard good uh, things about it actually. Same, same. Yeah. And, I, and I want to watch it. I just haven't gotten around to it. There's just too much stuff to watch. And that's the and thing. I've got, I've got, Lost in Space is later this week, Paul. Oh, God. Yeah, there's ah. so much stuff to work. I mean, watch. I mean, I've got people bugging me that I haven't seen Squid Game. And I'm like, ah, I want to, but like. Can somebody explain to me what Squid Game is? I feel like this is, this is you know, uh, you know, language that I don't understand. <laughs> so, so Squid Game is the name of a, basically a game. I want to say it's Korean. But the whole setup for the show, it's one of those typical, uh, you know, mass violence shows where they take people that have uh, like extreme amounts of debt and you play these children's games. And if you win, you get money. And if you don't win, you get brutally murdered. Oh, God. It's kind of like the <laughs> remember the running man with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. yeah. It's like a modern version of that. 
Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So like they have. Uh, but it's not like, like a real. It's it's not like a legit reality. No, show. No, no, it's a, it's no, a, it's no, a scripted. No. Yeah, okay. scripted television show. Yeah. yeah, very very much scripted show. This game is like, uh, you know, red light, green light, and if you move when red light is uh, said, then you get brutally shot. There's huh. just too much. Okay. There's too much. Like your point. There's too much on television right now. You know, I'm looking at. I, I mean, I never. I, I don't even open Hulu, and I really want to see only murders in this building. But and you know, I'm like three episodes so into that, good. and I haven't gotten back to it. You know, yeah, I, this is. The, I uh, I binge watched up until whatever episode had been released at the time, and now I'm letting them build up because that is a show I want to binge watch. Yeah, my wife and I are working our way through the Shield oh, on yeah. Hulu. And because we didn't watch it when it was on uh, originally, and it's a really good show. It's a you know it's a it's a cop drama, and uh, uh, it's the thing that made Michael Chiklis a star. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> there is an episode in which the captain of the precinct is captured by the bad guys and forced to perform oral sex on the guy. And this happened like in season two, maybe three. And here I am in season six, and still on the previously on the shield. They cut back to him being forced to perform. Uh, <laughs> I mean, not to laugh, but like. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, but I'm like every time. <laughs> also, in case you forgot, Captain Acevedo blew a guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I also need to correct you, Aaron, because the commish is what made Michael Chiklis a star. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. Like, I used to watch the hell out of the oh, commish. I've never yeah, watched same the commish, but I am aware of it. <laughs> really, you never watched the commish. Oh my goodness! That, that it is, was so good. That is an Aaron show all the way. I mean, I don't think yeah. that's available streaming anywhere. But I, I don't know that I would want to go back and see it because it's one of those shows I don't know if it holds up. No, but sure yeah, doesn't. I at the time loved it. Yeah, it's just like The Shield. <laughs> uh, all right, so. You know, we, we've been talking about Marvel streaming. Lots of Marvel comics came out this week, actually. We're not going to talk about a bunch of them. Um, but, you know, I picked up more Marvel than I normally pick up this week. I, I picked up Thor. I picked up Doctor Strange. I picked up Hulk. I picked up Black Panther. I picked up War of the Bounty Hunters. You know, I mentioned this last week that the, um, the trade paperback was only like $9 for... Something that would normally would have cost me forty five bucks. Yeah, so well, you know, Marvel's got really good prices on their uh, collected editions. I think that's an oh. Amazon thing. Like, I think that's their partnership with Amazon. Yeah, because remember, it used to be that you could like you'd see something on Comixology for twenty bucks, and you'd go to Amazon, and it was like seven sixty four for the same digital right. copy. And since right. they synced, yeah, but yeah, so I'm 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 looking forward to pick, to reading War of the Bounty Hunters. I'm sure I will regret those words. But um, you know, but well, I did. And we we mentioned the Hawkeye series. It is drastically on sale right now. Oh really? So, yeah. Oh yeah. For a Black Friday sale at the moment, the uh, volume one of uh, Hawkeye eighty four uh-huh. cents. What? Yeah. Hey, Young Avengers volume one eighty four cents. And, and let me just be clear to people on the po- people listening to this podcast that have not read Hawkeye by Matt Fraction and David Aha. Ah, it is one of the best comic runs of all time. Um, I I say that with zero doubt Uh, and generated one of my favorite disagreements on this show. (laughs) You know, uh, because Andrew Andrew, didn't realize how long it actually takes for people to heal. Yeah, you can heal up for weeks. 
yeah, Andrew doesn't understand medical science. No. I mean, clearly. And uh, I think it was it was it was fun to be able to point that out to the world that he just doesn't understand how healing works. So yeah, I, it is an eleven issue <laughs> arc and two Wayne's point. Even if you're not a Comicsology uh, Unlimited member, if you're a Comicsology Unlimited member, it'll cost you like two fifty. If you're not, it'll only cost you three bucks for all eleven issues. So jump on it right now while it's on sale. Get it. It is cheaper, in fact, than just buying the singular first issue of Donny Cates and Ryan Otley's new Hulk book. So did we all read it? Yes. Yeah. I, I am dying to hear what you guys thought. I was I've been really looking forward to this. Um I you know, Donny Cates is, is sort of on a uh a home run streak with me. So I am curious to hear what uh, you boys thought of Hulk number one, legacy numbered seven hundred and sixty eight, I believe. Yeah. Yep. Wayne, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I, I can go first because uh, I don't have a like strong opinion yet. Uh, basically, with this first issue, it is drastically different direction. And I think I need another issue or two to decide if I'm going to like this direction or not. Mm -hmm. Because this one was a lot of setup. And I feel like we're going to get into the real story next issue. Uh, but it is, like I said, it's drastically different direction, and it it's trying something new. And I always appreciate trying something new, especially with Hulk, because they've done so much with Hulk, and they keep doing different directions of Hulk. And I just, I'm not sure on this one. I'm either r really intrigued or I don't like it, and I don't know which yet. I um, so I hated Paul. it. <laughs> I, I got through the first so the first four pages and it's like what if the hulk all this time has been protecting us from banner i'm like that's an intriguing concept and then they quickly shit on it for the rest of the book um <laughs> you know i i really first of all i got to page five and i'm like oh okay so it's gonna be hulk against heroes again like i haven't read that same story for the last 20 years of Hulk books. Pretty much since this podcast has been in existence, the Hulk has been at odds and not teamed up with the Marvel heroes. I'm ready for that storyline to end. Um, it, it seems like, you know, just despite the drastically different directions, I feel like this is just a different coating of paint on the same story we've read m a million times at this point. And I'm I, I don't I don't care for it. Um, there were some imaginative aspects to it, like, you know, for it, it's a lot of a lot of science fiction in, in saying, oh, Bruce Banner has converted the Hulk into a spaceship and he's controlling it and he has captured the his id of the Hulk to fuel the rage of this spaceship. And I'm like, how is that actually any different than just <laughs> being the hulk and being trapped within the hulk's body it, like i said like I, I i was like so bruce banner is stuck inside his head and the hulk is out is the exterior i'm like isn't that just the concept of the hulk maybe i'm maybe i'm being too harsh on the book but i think i i just went in hoping that because donny cates has done some some great work and has done so much that's ingrained in the marvel universe you know venom heavily tied to the marvel universe uh guardians of the galaxy you know a number of different books in a row i was kind of looking forward to hulk 
being a little bit more integrated and being a little bit more super rogue. Yes, I had heard about Spaceship Hulk before the book came in, so it's not like I was oh. totally surprised. But I, I had I it. went I went in completely blind with no idea about Spaceship Hulk, and that's why I say I'm left with either I either really dislike this or I'm intrigued, and I'm not sure which. And this I really dislike the appearance though. Yeah. Not the art, because I think the art is good. I don't like... I am sick and tired of them putting Hulk in costumes <laughs> or putting, like, armor on him or helmets. See, and... I don't mind some of that stuff because of my favorite arc on the Hulk is the Peter David arc, you know, um, you know when he was wearing clothes and Smart Hulk and all that stuff and drawn yeah. by Gary Frank. But, you know, I, I just... The fact that the Hulk is at odds with the heroes again... Um, it it just it it felt like like I said it didn't it felt like it didn't have anything new to say it just had a new way of saying it and um, so I I'm not in for yeah. for for any more of this um, I, I will wait and see what you guys say I had kind of a journey on this book uh, <laughs> were, you, were you smoking the weed is it is it low is it legal in Texas <laughs> the Mary Jane it is not oh, okay um, <laughs> you know the 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 first two pages have the Hulk trying to, you know, knock down a, 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 a door that he's trapped behind. And the images of that where he's just wailing on the on the doors uh, reminded me a lot of the original, you know, 12 books from Stan and Jack back in the day. Yeah. Where the Hulk, you know, would lock, where Banner would lock the Hulk away at night uh, yeah. so that he would go out and, and, and do, you know, smashing. And I, that was really reminiscent of that. And I was like, oh, yeah, we're back to it. Because I have really wanted sort of a return to the roots of the Hulk. And then we cut to what I really disliked about this book. And it was all the Banner shit. Um, number one, nobody draws Banner consistently. Banner I looks different no matter what book he shows up in. Whereas he always looked the same from issue one of the incredible Hulk when Stan and Jack were drawing him all the way up until well after Peter David uh, was writing the book, you know, banner looked basically the same, but he just always looks different in our, our current storytellings. Yeah. I would have never thought that was banner. Right. Based I mean, on the you, art. I mean, you would not have been able to pick him out of a crowd. And that that frustrates me that we don't have a branded image of him. You know, we've got branded images of every other, you know, uh, identity, you know, uh, civilian identity for our heroes, but we don't for for Banner, and that drives me absolutely batshit. Well, they show the transition uh, right in the first two pan three panels. He's wearing glasses, and then he takes the glasses off, takes the lab coat off, and transitions mm-hmm. to this new look. But to your point, the new look is it could be anybody. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, think about when John Byrne was drawing the Hulk back in the day and you, you, you had, you know, Professor Banner leading his Hulk busters. That should have been what he looked like here. Right. Mm-hmm. It should have been because he, he had sort of his action suit that he would wear as they're driving around their Hulk buster van. That really should have been what he looked like here. And I just really don't care for the design of Banner. And I understand that he's up in his head and he can look like probably whatever he wants to look like. But as a reader, it irritates me. Now, I really enjoyed uh, Ryan Otley getting to draw the rest of the Marvel characters. You know, mm-hmm. we, we've got, you know, a, a uh, 
a uh, staff meeting at the at Avengers HQ with Spider-Man and Thor and Doctor Strange and Ghost Rider and all these guys. And it's fun to watch Ryan Otley draw those guys. And I also have to say, one of the things I enjoyed about the book was that I felt like Ryan Otley stepped out of his style for this book. Um, it did not scream so much Ryan Otley for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really enjoyed that because I, you know, like particularly when uh, in his Invincible days, he had a very distinct style for that book. And he carried that over to some of his early Marvel work. Yeah, uh, not even a crisp clean as much as a cartoonish. Yeah. And I felt like he stepped out of that for this book. So I really responded to that. I like Paul. I am tired of the Hulk being outside of the the Marvel heroes for absence of a better of a better word. I'm really I would really like for the Hulk to be more involved in what's going on in the 616. I don't mind Hulk having an other worldly adventure from time to time, but I was really hoping that this relaunch, this, you know, new issue one, new take on the character would bring us to a more grounded uh, sort of Hulk storytelling. Uh, you know, we could do a whole episode on what if I were writing the Hulk. And if I were writing the Hulk, I would have the Hulk uh, on a superhero team where every time he transforms, you don't know what Hulk you're getting. Are you getting stupid Hulk? Are you getting smart Hulk? Are you getting Mr. Fix-It? Or are you getting the maestro? I mean, you know, who are you going to get? Because we've got so many different guises for the Hulk. I think that would be a, a, a lot of fun, just sort of a Russian roulette sort of Hulk scenario. I'm not sure that I am too excited about this story. Uh, I know that you know Hulk at the Crossroads is a seminal storytelling uh, by Bill Mantlo back in the day. Uh, I think that there were a lot of great concepts in that story, but it's not one of my favorites. And I, I'm concerned that this also is not going to be one of my favorites. But I am in for issue two because I really would like Hulk in my life. I'm just not sure that this is it. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely out. Um, so I will I will await your review of issue two unless someone tells me issue two. Um, has has righted the Starship Hulk. When you say someone else, do you mean that somebody other than Wayne and I, because you don't trust our opinions anymore? No, I mean you guys specifically. Someone on oh, this okay. podcast. Someone okay. other than okay. Me. Okay, um, I didn't know if that was you know we're gonna have to find some some random third person. No, you know to tell. No, I mean you guys. I'm gonna wait until Andrew tells me because his is the only thing <laughs> I trust. Okay. He doesn't know shit about medical science, but you'll trust his opinion on the Hulk. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's getting, it's getting issue two, but uh, if it's not getting issue three, if it doesn't impress me with two. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, to I your agree. point about Donny Cates, I'm a little concerned, uh, you know, with the start of the book about, you know, oh, maybe he needs to protect us from Banner. I'm a little concerned about the similarities to what we just saw. In the Thor book with Donald Blake being trapped mm-hmm. within the body of, of Thor, so I'm you know I, I'm hoping they go a different direction with it, um, but I, I regardless I w- I will wait for you guys to tell me. Now a second issue that I had no problem picking up this week was DC versus Vampires by James Tynion the Fourth, Matthew Rosenberg, um, and Otto Schmidt. And before we go into the 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 book itself and you know what we thought of the the issue. Um, you know, when you turn the first page digitally, there is a two-page ad 
of Gotham City Villains Anniversary Giant, a 100-page prestige format special with just like an all-star creative team, including a Penguin story written by Danny DeVito, um, Philip Kennedy Johnson, Stephanie Phillips, Dan Mora, Wes Craig. I mean, just some, some really strong talent and beautiful art on the page. You know, unfortunately, it'll probably be 10 bucks when it comes out, so I don't know. It d- just depends on what comes out that that week if i'll pick it up but man i'm really intrigued about that book i flipped past and didn't even read the uh the ad yeah danny devito's writing a penguin story i'm like oh okay well i'm intrigued i will be reading it on the infinite (laughs) yeah that's true yeah that is true all right so what did you you know we 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 rather liked dc versus vampires number one and thought it was very surprising and imaginative uh wayne i know you said you had some thoughts so i kind of want you to kick us off on this one Okay, so one of the things that I always love the idea of is the Batman crew fighting vampires. Because it's one thing to see, like, Superman fighting vampires or any of these big super-powered characters. But the Batman crew being, you know, more down-to-earth, no powers, but incredibly well-trained fighting, they kind of like Van Helsing-type characters to me when it comes to vampire fighting. So I loved this issue because it's setting up that the only people that know the vampires are out there, the only people that are going to be fighting them are the Bat Family. And I am 100% on board for Bat Family versus vampires. Well, and Green it Arrow, has got right? me And Green Arrow, also a good one to be fighting yeah. vampires. It got me incredibly pumped and excited for this book, even more than I already was. Yeah, I, 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 you know, as much as I enjoyed them, so uh, let me just say, I loved this issue. Um, I liked this issue more than the first. And as much as I enjoyed, you know, the, the whole Bat Family interaction, which is a, the largest majority of the book is the Bat Family kind of talking about what was happening and Batman getting them prepared and saying, hey, you know, it's not killing. They're already dead. So have at it. Um, I thought I loved all that. My favorite. Part I loved of- the, the dialogue between uh, Barbara and Dick. I, oh, yeah. I, they, they were they were killing me. And, you know, the the passing the drinks around and you, you it is so purposeful that you as the reader are like, what's going on there? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I knew there was something in the drinks. I just yeah. didn't know what. Yeah. Yeah. It's so well written, so well done. But I got to say, despite as good as it was, my favorite scene was the, the quiet moment with Barry Allen and mm-hmm. um, Hal Jordan at the end sitting on the beach you know how is evil, right? Right, and you know I think I love how one emotional, but two how smartly written it is that the vampires do not want to recruit Flash, right? Because given his metabolism, given his speed, he would basically just cause a genocide, and they'd have nothing to eat. Yeah. So they're like, you you have to go, and you know they send Hal to do it, and it's just this super emotional moment where he snaps. Barry, I mean, just spoilers. Um, he snaps Barry Allen's neck, and you see this lone, like, blood tear fall down from his mask. And I, I just thought that ending sequence was so, so good. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, James Tenyon IV uh, writes this book, and it's fantastic. I mean, you know, the, the variety of moments that you get with the Bat family uh, and this this meeting between Hal and Barry, you know, who have a, a storied and, you know, classic history together. Uh, 
and for you know how to just so to to allow some final moments between the two of them before you know killing Barry. I just I thought it was great, and I loved Hal's final words. You know, he he's weeping that that blood tear you say, and and then you know I'm so sorry, Barry. I wanted to conquer the world with you. I just. It's. I mean, you know, it, I, the best compliment I could say is I. I thought Tom Taylor wrote this book. That's how yeah. good it was. Yeah. Well, one thing that's standing out to me: we have all of these different uh, takes on the DC universe with, mm-hmm. like, deceased and all of that. It feels like in all of the others, it starts off hopeless and then builds to hope. Mm-hmm. Where in this one, right away, you have. You know, you have the setup for it to be a fight. Yeah. It doesn't feel as hopeless as some of the others. And I have this strong feeling it's going to end up more hopeless than any of the others. Like, they're giving you hope to start off with. The first issue, they gave you somebody who knows and is trying to get the message across. Second issue, you get the Bat family is going to be fighting them. I have a feeling by the end of this series, it's going to be more bleak and dark than any of the other dystopian series we've been reading. Because they're giving you the hope to begin with, only so they can crush it. I, I sure am enjoying it. I, I thought the the second issue just really built well on the first issue. Really excited to where this is going. Yeah. Yeah. The one question I had. Uh, so when uh, when Ali is there dealing with the villains, that's uh, I said that's Brick, isn't it? Uh, knockout. I think. Okay. Because I was thinking, I thought he was uh, basically invulnerable. I, yeah, I don't know exactly how that worked, but yeah. Yeah, that arrow shouldn't have been able to go through his hand. Yeah. Like that. That was my only complaint of the entire book, though, was that scene didn't really make sense. That arrow should not have gone through his hand. But the interactions between all of them, I thought, was great. And that Ali is there to hunt the vampire that's there. I really like this underground vampire hunter, Ali. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. That's good stuff. So DC versus Vampires, two issues in, and I'm 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 very excited to see where it goes. Yeah. Still all the thumbs are up. <laughs> well, I um about a well last month, you know, Scott Snyder started his run of Comicsology originals. Um the We Have Demons, Night of the Ghoul, and Clear. And so this, you know, all three all all of them have had second issues released. I the only one that I've read was Night of the Ghoul. Now, we talked about that first issue uh, of it, that it, it had a good, creepy feeling from art by, you know, with art by Francesco Francavia. Wayne, you really liked the first issue, more so yeah, than I, I love did. that. I love that concept of all of the monster myths are based off of this one thing. Yeah, and, you know, and, and where my issue with it was, was it, 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 it was the Snyder touch, which is we're just going to over-explain everything and have over-exposition. I will say, you know, I, I had I read on Twitter that someone was really complimenting the second issue. I'm like, I'll give it another issue. Why not? It's free. Well, it is included in the cost of your Comixology Unlimited subscription. Um, the second issue was fantastic. Uh, it is it is such a wild turnaround from the first issue um, for me. And perhaps it's because they got all the exposition out in the first issue that they can just focus on the horror this it felt like i was reading a movie um it is and you know all credit to francesco francavia you know in setting that tone but it is you know we we 
Francesco Francavilla, you know, he he really set the tone of Afterlife with Archie and um, the Batman. I think it was the Black Mirror um, mm-hmm. arc. Like he, his art style is so distinctive. And in this book, he just you know he he takes that style, and I feel like I'm reading a Tales from the Crypt episode or you know some type of uh, Twilight Zone episode with just such great suspense and 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 dread in it um i don't know how long this book is it's it's on issue two i can't imagine it being more than four to six issues um beyond that i feel like it's just too much uh but the story they're telling is super creepy and i'm i'm actually you know hopping back into being very excited to see where it goes um because they just do a lot of you know read it in guided view or whatever the 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 francesco francovia is a master of you turn the page and you're like oh okay that's creepy you know (laughs) um so highly recommend night of the ghoul uh if you're not a comicsology unlimited member you can still purchase them i think they're 2.99 an issue um but yeah definitely really really liked it yeah i i grabbed it while we were uh talking i my issue when i saw it on the list is i didn't remember it yeah. Until we started talking about it, then I remembered exactly which book this was and then was super excited to have issue two out. Well, and I probably should clarify for, for those who, who who may not remember our previous conversation. The, the, the concept of Night of the Ghoul is that it is a father and son who are film, you know, film fanatics. And they have gone to uh, they have I found. The father works at a film studio. He found a, an old film called Night of the Ghoul. It was thought to be a lost film from, you know, a seminal filmmaker during, I think it was like World War II era. Um, and then they find where he is living out his last days and they go to interview him about this film. And uh, th- then shenanigans ensue. Um, but yeah, definitely recommend picking it up. And uh, I, I also picked up, I have not read it yet. Um, we Only Kill Each Other. Uh, from Comicsology, um, that looks good. Uh, yeah, it's written by um, Stephanie Phillips and uh, Peter Kraus. Is I, you know, and it's weird because I don't know if if Peter Kraus is like, are they talking about the guy from Sports Night? That's what I was this, gonna say. Or is this a different Peter Kraus? I honestly yeah. don't know, but I, I'll read the book and I'll let you know. Yeah, please do, please do that. That looked good to me. Yeah. Yep. Hey, Paul, you hey, had a real blast from the past there. With Afterlife from Archie, the oh, book yeah. that was so exciting and then just disappeared. Yeah, uh, the good old days. Yeah. Oh, just FYI, Aaron, it is not the same Peter Krause. I, I got to the creator's page at the back of the book. Aha. Uh-huh. Does it say uh, not the same guy? <laughs> no, but I'm significantly <laughs> less interested now. I'm, uh, <laughs> but I like Stephanie Phillips, so I'll still give it a read. Hey, Paul. Yes, sir. What's coming out next week? Well, next week, The Death of Doctor Strange continues in two more tie-ins. The Death of Doctor Strange Spider-Man, which is also written by Jed McKay, uh, you know, the the writer of the main title, as well as Death of Doctor Strange White Fox, um, another tie-in to that series. Um, From DC Comics, you have Justice League Incarnate, number one, from Dennis Culver and Joshua Williamson, which is the Justice League of the multiverse which includes uh president superman and um flashpoint batman captain carrot mary marvel aqua woman and a a number of other characters kind of protecting the multiverse issue one of five um that gotham city's anniversary giant that i just mentioned comes out 
it is in fact a 9.99 book um action comics issue 1037 the second part of the war world saga comes out as well as the nightwing annual a bunch of annuals because i guess you know the, the 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 release dates are almost like a fifth week it comes out on um tuesday december 30th the dc book so it's almost like a fifth week so a lot of annuals um but the nightwing annual is in fact written by tom taylor so i probably will be picking it up yeah um, and from Image Comics, Mark Miller's new book, King of Spies, um, with art by Matteo Scalera, who is, who, those were, um, I believe they were the team who did the, not the Time Bandits one, but, you know, the Time one. Do you remember that one, Aaron? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I yeah. like that book. Yeah, it, I, I think it's, it was the creative team on that Both book. Both books, by the way. It was, it was two, uh, it was two series. Yeah. I could be wrong yeah. on that, but yeah, uh, King of Spies number one, uh, featuring the world's greatest spy has six months to live. Does he die oh, no. quietly in a hospital bed, or does he make up for a lifetime of bad decisions? That sounds very much like Human Target. Yeah, <laughs> set up for Human Target. Human Target was a good book. It was a great book. I really enjoyed it. All right, all that. And Anything more. else, Paul? No, that's plenty. All that and more. Very exciting. Well, hey, we want to know what you thought about this week's books. Give us a call, 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, we're going to send you one of Paul's turkey sandwiches. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What do you call it when when it's not all put together? I'm gonna send <laughs> do it. We'll send you a kit. We'll, we'll send you we'll a, send you a kit. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, or you could hit us up on social media, IOM Geek on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. What a deal. Well, guys, we'll do it all over again next week and probably with fewer deviled eggs left over. So uh... <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> By that. <laughs> Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. <laughs>